But cool. Well, we're going to talk about stewardship today. And what we're not going to talk about necessarily with that, because when most people think of the word stewardship, they think of money. Well, I'm not talking about necessarily money today. Of course, it is included in stewardship, but there's a whole lot more than money that is uh, a part of this. So I have, did you, did you get my PowerPoint set up? Great. Noah's the man. Noah's the man. I didn't even tell him I had a PowerPoint. I just emailed it to him. So you can put up the first one now. I got this real goofy picture here. I ripped it off the internet. You can even see the watermarks there in the background. And uh, But yeah, uh, does anybody know what this is uh, displaying? Oh, we got a couple people raise their hands. Uh, Andrew, we don't hear from you a lot. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk. We're not going to talk about much more than that, but we are going to read through the, all of Matthew 25. There's actually three parables in Matthew 25. We're only going to talk about the one, but we'll read all three. So let's uh, open up to there, and then uh, we'll read that in a minute. But I want to give you some background first, because you know we're we're big background and context people, right? You can't understand the Bible as fully as we need to if we don't understand background and context. So in uh, Matthew 24, um, Jesus talks about how the temple will be destroyed, and of course that was fulfilled in 70 AD, but also about the signs of the end times, and uh, the last kind of section is about this: the day and the hour of the return of Christ will be unknown, um, and that's uh, Matthew 24, verse 36. Um, and then he goes on this discourse, basically, of what that day will be like. Um, and what, what it means by that day is, you know, the end, when Jesus has come to make all things uh, right and the final judgment. Um, now, some theologians think this passage specifically is talking about actually during the Great Tribulation, so after the rapture. Um, and I'm not a scholar, so I can't determine if that is completely accurate or not. I think it probably is. Um, but regardless, you know, we, we're probably not going to be here during the tribulation if, if, you know, Christ is going to bring us to heaven so we don't have to suffer through that. However, the topics talked about here, the principles taught here, aren't just relevant for the tribulation. They are relevant regardless. And, uh, yeah, and I think what one of the things that maybe keep in mind is during the tribulation, it'll be more intense. It'll be more focused uh, more hyper-realized, these principles. Um, but I want us to really, really remember that this is, is not just for then, but also for now. Not just for the... Uh, yeah. So, <clears throat> let's uh, read our passage. Um, I think, do I have the, the next slide? Is that... Some sort of, yes, there we go. Before we read, this is something I want us to keep in mind today. So stewardship, the principle of stewardship is placed into its proper context with Christ's second coming. Um, you can't really separate the two, okay? And so with that, let's read. All right. I'm reading in the NIV, but we're going to be talking about some later in ESV. But regardless... Follow along how you can on your Bible, on your phone, in your head if you're Caleb because you have it all memorized. <laughs> Just kidding, Caleb. 
Uh, all right, so I'm going to get this going. All right. At the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take away any, uh, sorry, did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. He was delayed, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. And the wise ones said, No, there may not be enough for both of us. Uh, instead, go to, to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their uh, way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. Uh, the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, it would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, almost done. we got one more. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a separate shepherd, sorry, separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to the eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for not leaving us just to try to figure things out on our own, but to have you really uh, lay down the groundwork for us to, to understand your heart, God, to understand our role in this life, and Lord, to look forward to your coming again. And uh, God, where you'll make all things right, we thank you, God. And in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so like I said, we're not talking about the whole passage, but the reason I wanted to read it to you uh, is because there's a, a broad picture that's being painted here. And unfortunately, we just don't have time to talk about it all, but at least I could read about it. Um, so some of the things that I talk about today in the middle section also are kind of applied from the beginning and end section as well. Um, but yeah, let's start right away with verse 14, which says, uh, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants, and then here's our first word for the day, and entrusted to them his property. So right here we get our first important word, and that is entrust. Um, entrust, I think I have this, oh yeah, there we go. Is assign the responsibility for doing something. Uh, and now most of us have a pretty good idea of understanding what entrust means. But I, what I want to focus on is this idea that when we are entrusted with something, we take on responsibility. One of our um, key uh, kind of values of discipleship in uh, um, Chi Alpha is real responsibility. So just keep that in, in mind. We're going to talk about a lot of that, of that for today. So when we are entrusted, we take the responsibility for that with which we have been entrusted. Now, whether that is money, uh, like in this passage, or any other object, resource, or other, the responsibility of that which has been entrusted is now in the hands of that person. And uh, with our second word, st a steward, which is not in the passage, but is what this passage is talking about, Entrust is a deeply important part of this principle. Now, a steward is one who manages or looks after another's property. Another way to say that, a steward is one who looks after something that he has been entrusted with. To steward is to take on the respons responsibility that one has been entrusted with. 
Now, I also want to look at one more word in verse 14, and that's the word servant, which is doulos in Greek. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Neo, you can correct me later. Um, but I have the, the definitions up here. So it's a slave or bondman, servant, attendant, man of servile condition, which I thought this one was interesting. So having or showing excessive willingness to serve or please others. That's what servile means. Um, uh, and then also, it's often, as we can see here, it's often used as a metaphor by Christ and means one who gives themselves up to another's will. Um, you can you guys can read the rest. I don't have to repeat everything. But the last one here, devoted to another with disregard to one's own interest. Keep that in mind today. So what I'm trying to explain here is the relationship between the master and the servant, the one who entrusts and the one who stewards. That which is entrusted belongs to the master, even when the steward is taking care of it. And that comes to our first zinger for the day. I think that's the next slide. As citizens and servants of the kingdom of God, the things that we have do not belong to us. They belong to God, and he has entrusted us with them to be responsible for them and good stewards of them. Now, verse 15. So it, this is where he kind of gives some talents to everybody. In the NIV, it calls it bags of gold. Some people call it bags of silver. Talents were a large sum of money. I've... In my research of it, it ranged anywhere from about equivalent about one to two thousand dollars for a talent to six hundred thousand dollars. Who knows how much it actually was? It's a lot of money. Let's just put it that way. It's more than you want to carry around in cash. <laughs> uh, but yes, this phrase "to each according to his ability" is really interesting. Uh, at first, it seems almost unfair. But I'm not sure that's really the case. He, he, now, of course, this parable is talking about money, of course, but the basic principle is this. That which has been given is specific to the person who is the steward over it. I'll repeat that again. That which has been given is specific to the person who is the steward over it. These servants were given responsibility to what the master knew they were uniquely capable of. When it comes to our own stewardship... God has given each of us a unique responsibility that only we can fulfill. Um, an example of this that I thought of, uh, there is an organization at SALT, and before they have other organizations that do similar things like Compassion Incorporated, but they have these basically kids that you can support, right? Um, did any of you guys sign up for that? Oh, great, great, great. Um, yeah, we've, we've signed up for one as well. We support a... a a kiddo in Thailand, his name's Sahedi, um, really, really cute kid. Um, but when you pick up those packets, um, what they say is, this is the only packet for that kid. So if you don't support this kid, he's not going to get support from somebody else. Only you can do that. And so that's like a little slice, a little slice of what it means to be a steward, is helping, helping something that only you can do. We are stewards only over what God has given us, not what God has given to others. You can kind of see this a little bit in the first passage too, right? Where it's the, the, the wise, I'm gonna, I don't like calling them virgins, I like actually calling them bridesmaids because that's more what they were. Um, that they were virgins didn't really matter. Um, however, um, you have the wise ones tell the unwise ones, the foolish ones, they're like, you know, we, you know, 
you're responsible for that. If we share ours with you, we're not going to have enough either, right? So you can't steward over what God has given to others. Now in verses 16 through 18, you can see the two, two stewards, servants, immediately start working. It literally says immediately. But the other one, this is funny, he digs a hole and buries it. We'll get to more of that later. Um, and then, of course, in vast, verse 19, the master returns home, which, of course, is a, a metaphor for Christ returning and our king making all things right. Now, the implied master, um, yeah. So, so when Jesus returns to set up the, his kingdom in a very similar fashion to this, we're, we'll have to give an account, right, of how we used that which has been entrusted to us. Now, verse 20 through 23, we get a little bit of repetition. One master says, here, God, I did what you, you wanted. Here, master, I did what you wanted. And the master says, well done, my good and faithful servant, the doulos. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The next servant comes, says the same thing, and the master gives the same reward, the same encouragement. Now, this same response is given to each of the servants that doubled their talents, right? And this gives us into a clue what's really being rewarded. Of course, the, the, the monies that were gained were equal in percentages. They each doubled. But the actual money value, the servant that only had two had four at the end, right? That's even what the first servant started with. It's pretty large differences in money. And, I mean, would you be happier getting $10,000 back or $4,000, right? It's $10,000 is a lot. So I don't know if what is being rewarded, if he's given the same encouragement and same reward for differing amounts of money, I'm not sure if the money and the productivity is what's being rewarded. He's not saying, well done, you made a lot of money. Right? While each servant doubled their talents, the one who was entrusted with two only... Oh, I'm sorry. I already talked about that. Sometimes I get lost in my notes, even though I have color-coded and stuff like that. <clears throat> Anyways, so the master says about each servant, they have been faithful, right? The master rewards their faithfulness, not their productivity. The productivity is instead the proof of being faithful. So this is where I want to get to my, my next zinger for the day. A good steward is someone who is faithful with the unique things that God has entrusted them to further his purposes and not our own. Let's say that again. A good steward is someone who is faithful with the unique things that God has entrusted them to further his purposes and not our own. Now, of course, this faithfulness, as we can see, is rewarded with being with more being entrusted to them. He says, you have been faithful with a little. I'll put you over much more. Now, <clears throat> these words, enter into the joy of your master, imply that he's taking, talking about the servants being given more during their time after Christ returns, right? Um, I'm not sure exactly how that will play out. It's a little hard to imagine what exactly we'll be entrusted with in heaven and in the millennial reign of Christ. 
it's probably not gonna just be like a business, but who knows? I, I really don't know what it's gonna look like, but we can be sure that some sort of reward is waiting for us. However, I don't think this principle only applies to the future life. But um, from my own experience, this applies to our current life as well. If we be faithful with a little bit of responsibility, and what you are entrusted with will increase. Um, and so I wanted to share actually a story from my own experience. So let's go way back to 2015, <clears throat> when Elliot was 22 years old and a junior. So, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, some of you were in middle school. Let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, so I was a junior. And I had resisted being a small group leader for, at that point, about four years. Um, I th you guys had talked to me a couple times, like, hey, we want you to be a small group leader. I'm like, nope, you don't want me to do that. I'm dumb. I'm not good at this. That's not a good idea. Uh, but during my junior year, of course, I had come up with the same response. You know, you don't want somebody like me, a sinner like me, leading a small group. And they really encouraged me. By they, I mean Chris and Nino. And they're like, hey, you're going to learn a lot. You're gonna, God's going to reach you more than you're going to reach others if you lead a small group. And some, for some reason, I saw the wisdom in that. I don't know why. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I uh, went along with it. And, uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that first bit of responsibility that I had to learn was, of course, those of you who are core leaders, you know that you're required to, they want you to read the New Testament and then read a book, right? I had never read more than about a half of a book of the Bible. So reading the whole New Testament was a fun process, and it was great. I actually really liked it, um, really, really loved it, and I learned a lot. Um, and then going into that year, I... I mean, it was my senior year. I was writing my, my senior recital. That was the hardest, like, single, like, work project I've ever done. And it, it took a lot of time. And some, for some reason, I was also very uh, able to put as much time as I could into leading a small group. And me and Kevin Wong, we led a small group together. It was great. It was a lot of fun. It was my senior year. And uh, during that year, I was faithful with what I had been entrusted with. I had been entrusted with probably two or three guys and discipling them. And it was great. Um, and then going into the end of that year, I applied to be a CMIT, became a CMIT, raised my budget somehow, and started working for the, for the church. And then during my first couple years as a CMIT, you know, just faithful with what I had, at some point, um, our state director, Gary Miller, who most of you don't know, uh, came up to me and said, hey, we need somebody to help out with salt breakout equipment. And naive little Elliot didn't know what that meant, so I said yes. <laughs> Those of you who have seen me over the last couple of years do salt know I probably shouldn't have said yes, but I'd, it's a lot of work. <laughs> I've poured a lot of blood, sweat, and tears over doing that project. Anyways, so uh, I said yes. Uh, they taught me how to do it, and since then, I think this was probably January 2018, so uh, I think four or five salts, I have done this project where I, uh, it's a lot of work before salt and then during salt of just gathering equipment and putting it all where it needs to go, getting everything all set up 
and making sure nothing goes wrong. It's a lot of, lot of responsibility, really, actually. And I, uh, as much as I value it, it was, it was tough, because sometimes I'm like, why am I doing this? It's really annoying. I hate salt because of it. <laughs> and uh, actually, this, this last year was the best by far. First, I had a lot of help. Thank you, those who helped. You know who you are. Uh, B, uh, we had like less than half the work that we have to do in previous years. So I, I enjoyed salt. I went to every, every session. So that was, that was the key. Um, next thing, though, after I had started doing that, back in like 2019 or something like that, um, Kate Williams was like, hey, you've been doing tech stuff for salt. Well, how about you do tech stuff for Discover the Nations, too? And so I started helping out with Discover the Nations, which is a conference we have coming up. And back then, it was in person. All of the region would come. Uh, and we had one in, at U of M, actually. Those who were around back then remember that. Um, and it was, uh, it was a lot of work. I had to help with tech stuff. I was helping with everything. Uh, and I, I will have to say this. It didn't go as well as I'd liked that time. I was a little bit high stress. Fortunately, Kate is very gracious and appreciated the work I did then. Um, and I've been helping out with Discover the Nations and XAI in general in our, our region ever since then. Um, uh, last year, I kind of ran the whole digital part of the conference uh, we on a thing called Crowdcast. And then, well, there's more. Like I said, you faithful in a little, you get more. <laughs> and so the next thing, I, I got a call from National XAI. And so uh, they were running a class last summer called LIT, which is uh, Leadership Intensive Training. It's a leadership course for international students who know Jesus. And uh, they, again, wanted me to set up the whole digital part of the class, which means hosting uh, and making sure everything goes smoothly. Um, now, nobody registered, so the class actually didn't happen, which is pretty sad. Um, put a lot of work into that. But regardless, I really helped set it up as much as I could until it was determined that it wasn't going to happen. Um, the reason I share this is not to toot my horn. I don't really like tooting my horn, unless it's a trumpet. Then I like tooting it. <laughs> but I want, I'm sharing that to describe the principle, because if you had told 2015 Elliot that he'd be helping out National XAI in a couple years on a class that they're teaching, he would have said, heck no, please don't let me do that. And sometimes it's a little bit frustrating, because you, you, sometimes you don't want more responsibility. But at the same time, when you're faithful with a little, you'll be entrusted with more. All right, let's look at the other servant. <clears throat> How much time have we got? Ooh, I'm going to try to finish up pretty quick because it's already 1230. I don't want us to keep you here all day. Um, so, verse is 24 and 25. Um, <laughs> this master, I and mean, this servant, he says the goofiest thing. Master, I know you to be a hard man, reaping what you do not, do not sow and gathering where you scatter no seed. So I was afraid, and I went to hid your talent in the ground where... Here you have what is yours. Um, these two verses are very important in understanding the heart of this servant. While the first two servants were faithful to their master and therefore probably thought very highly of him, this third servant had a different opinion. And I would say probably misguided view on his master. Now the way he talks is a bit strange. We don't talk like that anymore. You know, master, I know you do this, I know you do that, da 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 um, but hopefully this will help. One scholar says this. 
He saw his master as a harsh, cruel, merciless individual who profited from the labor of others, gathering into his harvest what other people had toiled for. Not only um, was he afraid of his master, he was afraid of the punishment that would come from losing the talent, right? Now, obviously, investing the money would come with risk, the risk of losing it. But his lack of trust and misguided view of his master caused this fear. Instead of taking responsibility for himself, he blamed his master's character as the reason he didn't fulfill his responsibility. Another way to say this, he decided to serve himself. And he gets what he deserves, right? Verses 26 to 27, you wicked and slothful servant. Uh, I don't need to repeat all that, but he says, uh, I love this. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers. <laughs> At least you would have got interested. Well, interest, yes. Uh, just like the previous servant, this one receives his reward. Uh, he gets called wicked, uh, which, of course, this is clear due to his attitude towards the master and the slothful. That's a, that's a word for you. Obviously, the man was lazy and refused to do the hard things necessary to steward what was entrusted to him. But this comment about the bank cracks me up because last time I went to the bank, it was you go in, you drop off your money, you peace out, come back in a year, and you gained interest. It's pretty straightforward. I'm not sure about banks back then. Uh, the banks are usually tied with the temple. Um, however, la I think digging a hole is a little bit harder work than dropping off money at the bank. So, <clears throat> yeah. So we can see that this guy is not just lazy. He's spiteful, right? He'd rather dig a hole and sweat than have his master gain anything from what he's done. And so, again, what the master is punishing here is not a lack of productivity. If he rewards people not because of their productivity, he also doesn't punish people from the lack of productivity. He's punishing a lack of faithfulness towards his master. This servant was not a good steward of the talent entrusted to him because he hated his master. He served himself instead. And so here's our next one. When we have a misguided view on God, we don't trust what he tells us and we serve ourselves instead. Now, I personally wonder if this servant had attempted to invest the one talent and then completely failed and even gone into debt because of his failings, I don't think he would have been judged so harshly. You remember, productivity is not the it's being rewarded. Faithfulness is, right? So I want to look at another bad steward really quick. And we're going to keep it real quick because we don't have a lot of time. Oh, those who know, know. Those who don't, don't know. This is the steward of Gondor from the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> this is right after he ate a tomato, and he does it in the most gross ways. Uh, but this guy, he, so in the story, the kings have been gone from Gondor for a long time, the kingdom of Gondor, and so these stewards are taking care of the kingdom until the king returns. And the steward has two sons. Yes. We got Meme Lord over here and Arrow Boy over here. <laughs> um, but 
Boromir and Faramir are, are Denethor's two sons. Now, Denethor, when you watch the story, he is very selfish. Um, he claims he's doing it for his kingdom. Like, he, he really wants the, the, the ring of power for himself, right? And he claims he does it for doing it for the kingdom. But he's really, he wants power for himself. And, of course, this leeches into his two sons. Um, and they deal with that craziness in their own own way. Uh, Boromir, unfortunately, um, dies. Not he doesn't die because of it, but he, he does die. Um, spoiler alert. He's Sean Bean. It's not a spoiler if it's Sean Bean. He's going to die anyways. Uh, <laughs> in any movie he's ever in. <laughs> uh, anyways. This, this steward of Gondor, he mismanages everything and he meets his own end, falling off a rock, being burned alive. Um, but he failed to take care of his kingdom. He, in the end, completely gives up. He's about to kill his other son. And if it wasn't for a little hobbit named Pippin, who had a little bit of hope in a brighter future, and that Pippin got Gandalf, we would not have, they would not have won in the end. Anyways. So there's a bad steward. The servant is like this guy. He's nasty. Actually, I think I might have another picture of the servant. Yep. Oh, yeah, there you go. I love this because of his face. Look at that face. That guy, is, he, he is not happy. <clears throat> so the key here to notice, a bad steward is someone who uses what he's been trusted with to serve himself. Okay? So verse 29, for to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, this is a ver tough verse to grasp. We, have, we love a good uh, Robin, hero, Robin Hood's hero who sticks it to the man, who gets stuff from the rich and gives it to another who has nothing. Um, however, this principle is not about wealth distribution. You know, we're not trying to redistribute wealth. First, remember the context. It's probably referring to directly between the relationship between a good and bad steward in our current lives and how our faith in us will be rewarded in the new heaven and new earth. But like I said earlier, this applies to the here and now. Those who are faithful to Jesus with what we have uh, been entrusted and are a good steward over God's property will be entrusted with more in the future, both during the immediate and the eternal. Those, we are, those who are unfaithful with God, uh, with what God has given them, will not be entrusted with more but even what little they have will be taken away. One commentary says this, using one God's, one's God-given abilities wisely and productively, uh, sorry, I'm just not speaking words correctly today. <clears throat> uh, those who use God's given abilities wisely and productively is a vital aspect of discipleship and will be awarded with additional opportunities to serve God faithfully and fruitfully. Now the reverse of that is this, neglecting, those gifts that God has given us will cause us to become less and less fruitful towards the kingdom and lean more and more to self-centeredness. Neglecting stewardship causes us to forget where our gifts are from and we start to take the credit. So, kind of wrap up here. If you are afraid of being a bad steward, uh, I think the, the key is to check in on your heart. Do you find yourself leaning towards self-centered use of your gifts, talents, possessions, and time? 
First of all, don't feel bad about yourself. Everyone in the room is also struggling with their own self-centeredness. It's kind of our natural sinful bent. Uh, so instead of beating yourself up about it, t- take a mental note and try using what you have in a way that isn't about you, even if it's really small. Right? So what are some things that we are stewards of besides the obvious? Obviously, you're stewards over your income, what God has given you in terms of money. Uh, Nina will talk about that next week. Another thing, we all have this time. All of us have 24 hours in a day. How we use that is, you know, we're a steward over our time. Another thing is your material items, the things that God has given you, um, either through gifts or things you have bought yourself. Another thing is talents. Y'all are U of M students or alumni, etc. And even if you're not, we're all super talented. Um, and you have unique talents. I think there's not one single person in the room who has identical talents to another in the room. Here's another one that we don't always think about, and this one I want to refer to verse 2540. Remember that? Um, Caleb, you want to repeat verse 2540 because you're better at memorization than me? Whatever you have done to my brothers and sisters, the least of my brothers and sisters, you will have done to me. Relationships. The people you know, the people you're connected with, the people in your family, your friends, you are stewards over those relationships. Here's another one. Your home or living situation, if you have an apartment. How can you use that? And then this last one, One of the things that God has given us that is a huge gift and the utmost of gifts is our faith. We steward our faith. Now, of course, God is helping us along the way with all of these things, but that one he's probably helping us the most with. So how can we know how to use them for our kingdom, for the God's kingdom, not our kingdom, God's kingdom, please? (laughs) Um, First, I want to say it's not easy. Uh, Our inclination is to be selfish, which goes against everything I have said today. Uh, And it hurts to do things for God sometimes because sometimes we want to do things for ourselves. Like when I go go to salt and I work really hard, I'm like, man, I just want to enjoy salt and not have to work. I have not had a relaxing salt since like ever because I've worked every single salt in my life. So maybe I'll come to a salt in the future. Actually, World Mission Summit. Maybe I'll come to World Mission Summit and enjoy that. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I'm done. <laughs> but here's a good, a good hint for you. If it hurts to do or is hard to do, it's probably the right thing to do. Uh, another thing that you can try, start small. If you expect to immediately become this great grand steward of everything you have, and you're just going to be disappointed at the beginning, unless you're some other type of person than me. But start small. And remember, be faithful with a little. You'll be entrusted with more. And then uh, when you feel it's time, or and 
not necessarily when you feel ready, but when you feel it's time, take on a big challenge. Maybe that challenge is one of those, uh, those kiddos at SALT to take care of. Or maybe that challenge is I want to take responsibility to use a talent that I have in a way in the church that I'm not that excited about, but I have the, the ability to do it. Also, be generous. Be generous with everything that you have. Sometimes it's easy to hold on to the things of our stuff. I like my stuff. I like it in a way that it that I treat it. Ask Debbie. I don't like to entrust people with my stuff. <clears throat> um, but it's something I'm learning. Uh, so, <clears throat> but yeah, be generous with everything you have. And also, lastly, be creative. The last thing you need to do is do things like everybody else. You can, I think God has given us a lot of creative ideas on how to use what we have for God. So that's all I have. Let me pray, and then the, while I'm praying, maybe the band can come up and close us out. Um, yeah, sorry, I went a little long. I was supposed to end at 1230. It's 1245. So anyways, let me pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for um, making us and entrusting us with what you have. And uh, Lord, I just pray that today we'll just be encouraged to be better stewards, God. I pray that um, you'll just give us uh, creative ideas on how to serve you, God, with what we have, whether that's our talents, the, the relationships in our life, God, our, our, our money, God, our time. Uh, Lord, we, we pray for that. And uh, Lord, we thank you for entrusting us with what we have and uh, uh, we, Lord, we just we don't want to let you down. And uh, we also thank you for your grace. Even when we do let you down, you are, you are full of grace, God. And we thank you. And we pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.